There we go. Um, well, we're an incredibly privileged church to have with us Pastor Trish, well, Pastor Ben and Trish Naitoko. Um, now, I know that and they've got their three boys with them. Um, I'm going to acknowledge Ify because he's wearing a Patriots shirt. So he's obviously got great taste in NFL teams. Um, but I have heard of your English Premier League teams, boys, and look, there'll be time for prayer at the end. Um, but um, we, we, Pastor Ben and Trisha are incredible friends of, of this house. They've uh, sown into the heart of this church now for multiple years and uh, also personally in my life, but also in Pastor Tim's life. And so uh, we've got a lot to be thankful for um, in, in Pastor Ben and Trish. So I think that we should stand up. I think we should give them a massive central welcome. Please welcome Pastor Ben Naitoko as he brings the word. Turn the person next to you, grab them by the cheek and say, look at it, look at it, look at it. Have a seat. Wonderful. Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. Aren't they cool? Let's give a big round of applause. Thank you so much, Brett. It's uh, such a thrill to be here. And uh, yes, my boys were looking at to come because they're Arsenal supporters and haven't had much to cheer about in the last couple of years. And so... Any Chelsea supporter they get to see, they want to rub it in. So it's uh, thank you so much. And um, uh, also, too, I um, have it on good authority. We have a very special wedding anniversary today. Uh, and that is uh, uh, Mark and Meredith Turner. Uh, I think it's today, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So did you guys know that? It's, I think it's the, the, did you say the 50th anniversary? Um, so... <laughs> I, well, when he told me how many years I've been married, I couldn't believe it. I thought, you must have been her babysitter or something. It's so, it looks so good for the... It's just awesome. So praise God. Congratulations. It was just wonderful. And, and if I can have some security when I get off the stage, uh, that, would be, that would be fantastic. I'm excited about sharing the Word of God with you today. And... Uh, Good to see you all, and I just trust that uh, as we get around God's Word, God's got something awesome for us. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 37, Psalm 37 verse 4. Uh, and as you're turning there, just letting you know that wherever I travel, take some of my resource with me. I've got a couple of items here uh, I haven't brought here before. Um, and basically, uh, 16 years ago, uh, Trish and I started a youth conference in Mackay, North Queensland called Extreme Youth Conference. Uh, and it's had um, a number of directors over the years, uh, including uh, Pastor Tim and Kat Spark. Actually ran it for about seven years. And so uh, we started back then, and now they get something like six, 700 young people from around uh, central Queensland to it. It's absolutely incredible what God is doing through it. And uh, it's known as a conference uh, full of uh, the presence of God and really uh, well known for its praise and worship. And actually under uh, Tim and Kat's leadership, they put out an EP uh, and um, a worship um, CD uh, called Interlight. And also, too, they've recently put out another one. They call it a twingle. Is that right, twingle? I think that just means two songs. But uh, and, it, and it's called Legacy. And so if you're interested, these are you know all original pieces, a great praise and worship, and uh, be a great blessing to you. So if you're interested, feel free to go to the table afterwards uh, and check that out. Psalm 37, uh, verse 4, says this. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I'll read that again. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Back in the 90s, there was a Swedish rock group named Roxette, and they had a song, their most famous song, which is still currently played on easy listening radio stations today, 
called Listen to Your Heart. Some of you may have remembered it. Listen to your heart when it's calling for you. Listen to your heart. Anyway, that's the title of my message tonight. It's called Listen to Your Heart. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you help us to discern your will and to know your ways. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I didn't become a Christian until I was 19, but I grew up in church. And even before I became a Christian, I had my favorite verse in the Bible. My favorite verse in the Bible was Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I think it was my favorite verse because I didn't fully understand what it meant. I actually thought it meant if you give your life to God, he's going to give you everything that you want. But that's not actually what it means. What it means is this, that as you delight yourself in God, as you go along with him, he starts putting desires in your heart, and those are the things that he wants to see come to pass in our life. So what that means is that as a Christian, there are times when we're, not wanting to, when we're wanting to know God's will, wanting to know what He wants us to do, when we actually need to listen to our heart. There are times in our life when, when we're trying to discern or to figure out um, some things, we've got options and choices, where we actually need to listen to our heart. Now, I need to bring a little bit of balance to this. It doesn't automatically mean that every desire that we have is automatically from God. Uh, the Bible says there's such a thing called sinful desires. So what that means is this. If you have a desire and it's naughty, it's not God. <laughs> uh, we need to submit our desires to the Word of God. Uh, it's not like, you know, I've just been feeling really grieved in my spirit about the banks and the way that they're overcharging people fees. And I just feel in my heart that God wants me to rob a bank. <laughs> no, that's naughty. <laughs> But make no mistake, there are times when we need to listen to our heart. And so I want to talk to you today about three times that we, when we need to listen to our heart. Three times that the scripture indicates when we're trying to make decisions when we should listen to our heart. The first time when we can listen to our heart is when we're seeking God's direction. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So that's talking about God's direction, that there are times when we're seeking God's direction that actually the way we want to go down is actually the way often that God wants us to go down. That's especially so when it comes to God giving us a passion and a burden for something. Have you ever noticed that if you've had a passion or a burden for something, some cause and you got so upset with everybody else because no one else cared about it like you did? Well, that's actually a sign probably from God that he wants you to do something about it. I love the um, book in the Old Testament called Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is a book about, really about leadership. And it's about a guy named Nehemiah who used to serve the king his food. And, uh, and he, when he did that, he had to have a happy countenance upon his face. And so one day before going to serve the king his food, he found out that back in Jerusalem, his hometown, the walls of Jerusalem were still broken down. They hadn't been rebuilt. It upset him so greatly that when it came time to serve the king his food, he had a sad face. The king noticed and the king said to him, what's wrong with you? Why are you so upset? And Nehemiah said, well, how can I be happy? I just heard that the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. 
And so that set a chain of events uh, in motion whereby uh, Nehemiah was actually released by the king to go and uh, lead the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And these walls that had been laying barren for decades were rebuilt in 52 days. Now that is a really phenomenal thing that God did through that man. But one of the most powerful things for me actually about that story is the fact that Nehemiah already knew that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. The reason why we know that is because his king was the one who actually commanded for the walls of Jerusalem to stop being rebuilt. So watch this. Nehemiah got a burden and a passion about something that he already knew. What does that mean? It means that God was stirring up his heart, putting the desire in there in order to get him moving in a particular direction. We can even do this, uh, use this principle when we're seeking God's will about different choices and options that we have. And sometimes we don't know what to do. What we can do is pray about it and eventually a desire will come forth. Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus says, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now where the comma lies in that sentence is really important. He doesn't say whatever things you desire, comma, when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you'll have them. He says, whatever things you desire when you pray, comma, believe that you'll receive them and you'll have them. What that means is this, as we pray, desires come forth and those are the things that God wants to see come to pass. Uh, prophetically speaking, or using the scripture prophetically, uh, there's a story in the Old Testament about Moses and Aaron. Moses was the leader of the Egyptian people and Aaron was his assistant. And Aaron's uh, leadership was, I'm uh, sorry, the Israelite people. And Aaron's uh, leadership was being questioned. And so uh, Moses said, okay, I want everybody to get um, all the leaders of the tribes to grab their staffs and bring them to me. And they brought all their staffs towards him. And then what they did was that they uh, laid it out before the Lord overnight. They came back the next day and Aaron's staff, which had been laid down with the other leader's staffs, had actually budded. And it was a sign from God that this man is the leader. In the same way, if you've got choices and decisions that you're wanting to make and you're not sure what to do, lay them out before the Lord for a period of time. And eventually one of them will bud in your heart. And it'll be like, you know what? That's the way I want to go. I don't even know why I was thinking about those different options. The Bible says when it comes to seeking God's direction, we can listen to our heart. Second time when we can listen to our heart is when God wants it and when we have a desire to give. Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I've heard people use this scripture to justify not giving. They've said, see, if you don't want to give, you don't have to give. You don't have to give under compulsion. But you can't actually use that scripture to justify that position. Because he says, so, let each one give. (laughs) We're all going to (laughs) give. Amen. (laughs) But he says, you're determined by what's in your heart, not your head. Have you ever had a time when your heart wanted to give an amount that your head didn't like? The Bible says we're actually supposed to give what's in our heart. I remember one time um, and uh, we were at a conference and in the afternoon I was praying about what to give in the offering that night and, and I really felt like I wanted to give $500. And so I went and spoke uh, to my wife, Trish, and I said, babe, I want to give in the offering tonight. She goes, no worries, how much do you want to give? I said, I want to give $500. She said, how much do we have in the bank? I said, we've got $100. Uh, she said, so how are you going to give $500? Now, what I'm about to tell you is, this is my testimony. I'm not saying that you should do this or anything like that, but I'm just sharing my testimony. And I said, well, I'm just going to whack it on the credit card and put it in. She goes, what? 
you're going to go into debt over an offering. I said, guess I am. She goes, don't you think that's a bit unwise? Shouldn't we just give what we have? I said, okay, no worries. So went to the meeting that night and I said, okay, we'll just give the $100. Anyway, as the offering, as someone was sharing around the offering, I was actually on stage standing behind them. And um, as they were sharing around the offering, honestly, it was like a big neon sign in front of my eyes started flickering and it said 500, 500, 500. And then all of a sudden, a little guy with a pitchfork jumped on my shoulder and he said, no, don't be crazy. You can't afford it. 500, 500, 500. No, don't be silly. But it was just so strong. I just want to give $500. So I thought I need to get Trisha's attention. So she's sitting on the front row and I'm kind of ducking down and I could tell she was being convicted because she didn't want to look at me. And, uh, and I'm trying to get her attention and she's kind of looking away. I said, and she's like looking at me like this. I said, get that credit card slip out. And so she, get the credit, she got the credit card slip out. She filled it out. Then the buckets went past and she put it in the bucket. Soon as she put it in the bucket, the neon sign left and the guy on the shoulder, the little guy on the shoulder remained. What you do that for? That's crazy. That's irresponsible. That's unwise. Wait till people find out. You're a pastor. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to walk down and pick it out of the bucket. I'll just leave it. <laughs> At the end of the service, I went out for dinner and then came back to help up, help up with the rest of the cleanup. And as I walked back, there was two, got, two ushers that came and they had two envelopes. Oh, sorry, one usher came with two envelopes with my name on it. I said, Pastor Ben, I've got these envelopes with your name on it. So I grabbed the first one and opened it up. Inside was $200. Open up the second one. Inside was $200 cash. The $400 difference between the 100 I had and the 500 I gave, God supplied right there and then. When it comes to giving, we need to listen to our heart. I mean, seriously, there's three origins of a desire or a thought. I mean, first of all, maybe it's my flesh. My flesh wants to give away my money. Probably not. Maybe it's the devil. The devil wants me to bless somebody. Probably not. The reality is every chance that it's God. I better tell you another story to make my wife look better. Um, (laughs) There was another time we're praying about what to give in an offering at a conference. And in the afternoon I was praying and I felt I really wanted to be generous. And so I thought to myself, I better go talk to Trish. And I went to Trish and I said, babe, I want to be generous in the offering tonight. She said, so do I. I said, "Uh, how much do you want to give? She goes, how much do you want to give? And uh, I said, well, how much do you want to give? She goes, how much do you want to give? I said, listen, what I want to give, and I want to give $700. And I said, what I want to give is probably going to be way more than what you want to give. So let's just give what you want to give, okay? Uh, she goes, okay. She goes, and I said, so how much do you want to give? She goes, I want to give $2,150. <laughs> I said, what? $2,150? I said, why, why so specific? Can't we round it down? How about two grand? How about 1,500? That conference doesn't even need the money. I said, why do you want to give $2,150? And she said, and she said this to me. She said, and what happened was we'd just left Bible college 18 months before. Uh, we hardly had any money. We were trying to save up for a deposit for a house, but it was literally impossible to do so. We'd saved up only a couple of grand and we were needing a miracle to get our first house. And uh, she said she was praying that day and she said, Lord, I'm believing for a house. And she felt the Holy Spirit tell her to get the real estate guide and to open it up. And so she got the real estate guide and to look for the kind of house that she wanted in that market. This is obviously a long time ago, but the kind of house that she wanted in that market was worth about 215000 And she felt the Holy Spirit say to her to sow a 1% seed to believe for a miracle. When she said that, I thought, sounds like God. <laughs> so that night we went to the meeting and they were receiving the offering and 
I remember they had buckets up the front to put the offering in. And so I remember before we got, went to the meeting, I wrote out a check. Remember those things, checks? And I wrote out a check. And then we walked down the front and I put the check in the bucket, kind of lipped over the edge a little bit, started talking to me. You need me, man. Don't do this. You're going to regret this. And everything in me wanted to grab it and put it back in my pocket, but I was a pastor and everybody's looking at me, so I just left it and went back and sat down and felt terrible. And over the next two months, our finances got worse. I remember thinking every day, gee, that $2,150 would be handy around about now. And then one day someone gave us a phone call and they said, I want to give you some money to go towards your first house. I said, praise the Lord, how much? And they said, $14,000. I said, thank you very much. And and so we got the $14,000 and then we were able to, uh, and then over the course of the next few months, without soliciting, without asking, we received about another $22,000 and we were able to sign a deposit and build uh, a brand new house and then sold it a couple of years later for 150 times what we first sowed. Sometimes when God's getting us to give, he's actually positioning us to receive a breakthrough and a miracle. All through the scripture, there are times when God used giving as a way for somebody to actually receive a breakthrough. It's one of the ways that it can happen. And you can tell when God's setting you up because it starts working on your heart. Uh, The um, Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will men pour into your lap? Sometimes when we give, we're actually positioning ourselves to be used by God as an answer to somebody else's prayer. When I normally read Luke 6.38, I think to myself, okay, if I give, it's going to be given back to me, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But who is it that God uses to pour out into my lap? Well, it's actually people. King James Version says, will men pour into your lap? My question is this, have you ever been one of those guys? Have you ever been one of those people that God has used to answer someone else's prayer and bless them? When I was at Bible college, I mentioned this morning that they were threatening to kick me out because I was behind on my fees. And I was getting desperate, so I decided I was going to make a deal with God. You've got to be careful when you make a deal with God. And I said, Lord, here's my deal. I said, any gifts given to me of $100 or more, I'm going to give 50% to someone else. I'll give 10% to church and I'll use 40% on myself. I mean, that was a better deal than I had going anyway. So I thought, I'll just do that. And honestly, without asking or solicitation, I just had money coming in left, right and centre, which was awesome. And so I thought, okay, give 10% to church. I'll put 40% off my fees. And I thought, what am I going to do with the other 50%? And then I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll actually, you know, give it to other Bible college students because they're probably behind on their fees too. So I'd go to the college registrar and I would get there and I'd say, listen, I've got this amount of money to put off my account. Who else is behind on their account? She would tell me and I said, okay, put it off their account. And I did that for weeks. At our Bible college at the time, we had chapel every day. And, tu- and Tuesday was Testimony Tuesday. And that's where students would get up and they'd give testimonies about all the things that God was doing in their life. Well, for weeks, students would get up and they'd say, I was behind on my fees. Then I saw the registrar. She said, somebody paid my fees. God paid my fees. And I'm sitting down in the back thinking, that wasn't God, that was me. <laughs> but it was God. Have you ever been one of those guys that have actually been used by God as an answer to somebody else's prayer? The Bible says that when it's time to give, we need to listen to our heart. And the third time when we need to listen to our heart is when God wants us to minister to somebody else. 
You know, God wants to use us to minister to other people. And if you look at the life of Jesus, when he ministered to others, very often he was first moved with compassion. His heart was moved towards them and then he would minister to them. It was almost like an ignition, a sign that he was supposed to minister to them. And we can find that in our own lives as well. God wants to actually use us to minister to other people. The Bible says that God has called some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, but their job is not to do all the ministry. Their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So what that means is this, you can be out and about around, you know, about your business and your heart could be moved towards somebody's plight. That's not a sign to call one of the pastors. That's actually a sign to allow God to use you to minister to that person. I'll read a couple of scriptures showing how this happened in Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 14, 14, it says this. When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Then he healed their sick. Matthew 20, 34 says this. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So you could be about your business doing your thing and your heart is moved. That's actually a sign from God that he wants us to minister to them. Jesus says in John 14, 12, he says, greater works than he did, we will do. And that's talking about works of power. God using us. We are his representatives. We are his ambassadors. God wants to use us to see other people touched by his presence, to be ministered to uh, by him. Remember one night, uh, Trish and I, uh, just it was pretty late at night and we're lying in bed and I heard a cat, we heard a cat meowing and I thought it was on our roof. But Trish said, babe, that's not on our roof. That's in our roof. And I thought, that can't be in our roof. And then I heard it scratching the ceiling. And I thought, it's in our roof. And I thought, how did the cat get into our roof? And then I realized that there were all these, um, earlier that week, a workman had come to work inside our ceiling and had removed the tile, came back a few days later because he had forgotten to replace the tile and put it back on. So in the meantime, this cat had obviously gotten into our ceiling and was now stuck. And Trish said, we've got to get it out or else it's going to cook. And I said, okay. So uh, we went over to the manhole and um, I sent Trish up. And um, (laughs) it was better for the cat. Um, You know, Trish is smaller than me. She could fit in there more easily. And she's a banana farmer's daughter from far north Queensland. She's hardcore, you know what I'm saying? And so anyway, Trish goes up into the ceiling and then I heard her calling out to the cat, here, puss, puss, here, puss, puss. And I heard the cat meowing, but Trish called out to me. She goes, babe, I can't reach it. It's down in a crevice and it won't won't come out. We tried to tempt it out. We put some food out. We put some milk out, that sort of thing, but it never came out at all. So the next morning, I got up and I thought, right, we've got to do something about this. I thought, we need to get a cat trap. And some of you blocks are like, right, yeah, cat trap. Not, not one that kills them, one that catches it humanely. And so I got on the yellow pages and looked up cat traps. And I found someone was renting out cat traps in our street. I'm like, praise the Lord. God's gone ahead of us. He knows what we need beforehand. And so I rang up. Uh, the la- I rang up the number and a lady answered the phone. I said, listen, I want to hire a cat trap. She says, no worries, come over at this time. And, and, and at the time uh, where we were living, we lived in a very long street and all the houses were new. Uh, but there was one house that was like c- quite overgrown, to be honest. And I remember thinking to myself, I wonder if it's that house. Anyway, that afternoon I drove over there. Sure enough, it was that house. I walk up to the front door. I knock on the door. A gentleman opens the door. And he says, yeah, what do you want? 
I said, well, I'm uh, here for a cat trap. He goes, oh, right. Hey, love, there's a bloke here looking for a cat trap. And so then uh, this lady comes out and she was very, very frail. She would have been probably only in her mid-30s, but she had a walking frame and she walks out like this. As soon as I saw her, my heart was like, what happened to her? I said, hey, I'm here to hire the cat trap. She goes, no worries, follow me. We go to the back door. On the back veranda is all these cat traps. She was really into it. And she goes, <laughs> and she pointed at one. She goes, see that one there? Grab that one for me. I picked it up, put it on her um, frame, and she started talking me through how to use this cat trap. But to be honest, I wasn't listening. I remember thinking to myself, what happened to this poor lady? Uh, I said, how much is it? She goes, well, it's a $20 deposit, $5 a day. I said, no worries. I gave her $20. And I took the cat trap and went outside. When I went outside, I thought to myself, oh, I wish I had prayed for her. I chickened out. There was all these people in the house at the time. And so I remember we went back home and I start setting up the cat trap up in the ceiling. And, and as we do the, uh, at the manhole, and as we did, the cat walks over, we pick it up and bring it down. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, what a waste of time. Why did I go through all of... Oh. God was setting up a divine appointment. There was somebody he wanted me to meet. So the next day I ring her up and I said, hey, I've uh, caught the cat and I went over and, and visited and this time there wasn't anyone there other than one other lady. And I remember when I walked in, I could see down the hallway to this lady's bedroom and it looked like there was a hospital bed there. And so I think the lady that was with her was actually her carer. She comes out and I said, hey, I didn't need to use the, uh, need, didn't need to use the trap. She goes, oh, that's good. She goes, I'll get your change for you. I said, listen, don't worry about it. You can keep it. She goes, really? She goes, that's a lot of money for us. I said, listen, if you don't mind me asking, what happened to you? She goes, well, I was working at this this warehouse and a box landed on me and I've been in this constant pain. I've had all these problems and I've been an invalid ever since and we're really struggling financially. And well, as soon as she says that, I've got two options. Option one, Oh, that's a shame. Hope you got a good lawyer. I'm sure Morris Blackman will help you out. Or option two, which I took. Hey, I'm a Christian. Is it okay if I pray for you? And I thought she'd say, get away from your religious freak. But she didn't. She said, all right. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so I prayed for her. I said, Lord, I just pray for this lady right now. I just ask and pray that your presence will touch her. And as I was praying for her, the presence of God came and she grabbed her frame and she threw it away. No, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but that's not the morals of the story today. And after praying for her, I said, listen, Christmas is coming up. Our church has given out hampers to people in the community who might be interested in having one. I said, are you interested in having one? She goes, yeah, that'd be great. We sent a hamper over to her for Christmas. I was looking for a cat trap. And then my heart was moved. That was not a sign of course somebody else. That was a sign from God that he wanted me to do something about it. There's another time we're at home. I've told you last year, I think it was, that our house got flooded in Brisbane floods of 2011. And we're out of our house for about 11 months. And remember the first week we moved back into our house, we'd got everything in there. And then one of my neighbours from three doors down, a guy named Russell, came up and walked up my driveway. I, was, I saw him and I went out to meet him. I said, g'day, Russ, what are you up to? And he goes, oh, Ben, I got this uh, DVD for you. And what had happened was that 
he at where I lived we've got a double story house by the banks of the Brisbane River and went and the, the across the road from where I live is a fence and then there's a drop and about 20 meters down the Brisbane River but during 2011 Brisbane floods the river rose to the point where it went a meter and a half through the second story of our house and and so we're out of our house and a lot of people everyone else was out of theirs and and he had he was one of the guys that had he actually rode out the Brisbane floods in a tinny tied to a telephone pole at the front of his house and so he had actually taken video footage of what the flood looked like at that time and so what he did was he spliced together a DVD so anytime someone in the street came back at home and moved back in he actually brought the DVD to show us what our houses look like during the height of the Brisbane floods and so I was really touched when he did that and and then we just got talking I said hey it was the middle of the day I said why aren't you at work today mate he goes, oh, I hurt my back a few weeks a few weeks ago at work. Absolutely killing me. I've got today off. Well, well, as soon as he says that, I've got two options. Option one, oh, that's a shame, mate. Hope you got work cover. Or option two, which I took. Hey, Russ, I'm a Christian. Is it okay if I pray for you? And now I thought this guy, there's no way he would want me to pray for him. I thought if there's one guy who won't want me to pray for him, it's this guy. But he goes, oh, all right. And I'm like, oh, it completely threw me. I forgot what to do. I forgot to tell him to close his eyes. I've, I didn't have the courage to put my hand on his shoulder. And I didn't even close both my eyes. I just wanted to keep an eye on him. And so I stood back from him. And he's, we're on my porch. And I'm praying for him like this with one eye open, pointing at him and praying for him. I said, Lord, I pray for Russ's back. I pray you make it better. In Jesus' name, amen. And the whole time he's just looking at me. And then after I stopped praying for him, he's still looking at me. So I just look at him for about 10 seconds. And I remember thinking to myself, this guy thinks I'm a fruit loop. But then after a while, he, he speaks. We turns and my sons were playing in the lounge room at the time. And he points to my sons and he says, you know, Ben, I grew up in the kind of house that you're raising your kids up in. And he said, I, I uh, walked away from all of that uh, and I've had a hard life, but now that I've got kids, I think I want to raise my kids the way you're raising yours. I said, oh, um, do you want to come to church? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and he did. Came to church. I was at home and there was a bloke who rocked up with a DVD. And then an opportunity came. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to step into it? Or am I going to deflect? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because we'll be about our business, doing our thing, and then our heart is moved towards someone. That's a sign from the Lord that he wants us to minister to them. One of the things I've learned is that it's not my job, actually, to get somebody healed. I told you purposely stories about when people didn't get healed, and other times they do get healed. And you know what? I can't ever tell when it's going to happen. And I realized, too, it's actually not my obligation or responsibility to actually get them healed or to get them saved. Uh, some people are passionate about the supernatural which is awesome and you see them they go overseas to see where you know to learn about moving in the supernatural and signs and wonders and and you see people they um, go and do courses and pay big dollars to do courses to figure out how to move in the supernatural and that sort of thing and I've people say to me they say you know why don't we see more of the supernatural what's the key to seeing the supernatural well I'm going to save you a lot of time and money tonight and I'm going to tell you the key to seeing people saved and healed and the power of God moving through our lives. This is a huge, huge revelation. Here is the key for seeing people touched by the power of God. Have a go, mate. <laughs> 
It's as simple as that. All we need to do is have a go. And the more we have a go, the more fruit that we actually see. It's not our job to have someone's heart open. There might be the odd time someone rejects you for wanting to pray for them. I remember one time I was buying a lawnmower from a bloke in the heart of Ipswich here. I get in there and he's complaining about all these ailments that he's got. And I said, well, excuse me, sir, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're willing, I'm willing to pray for you. And he goes to me, no, it's all right, son, it's okay. I'm in the Lions Club. (laughs) Now, I don't know what that means. (laughs) But it's actually not my problem. It's not my job to get their heart open. It's not my job to see them touched. It's just my job to have a go. And you know when God's calling you to action. You don't need another night of evangelism. You could be about your business, doing your thing, and then your heart is moved. And that's a sign from the Lord. And the question is this, are we going to step in or are we going to deflect? God wants to use his... The highest level of Christian living is just being used by God. People think what I do is being used by God. That's just equipping. God can use every single one of us in our everyday lives to see people touched by his power and by his presence. But the issue is, will we step in or will we deflect? Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, Ben, you know what? I know. There's times when my heart's gone towards someone and I think to myself, someone should do something about this. But I know it's actually supposed to be me. But more often than not, instead of stepping into opportunities, I deflect them and don't step into them. And a lot of people have a a frustrated Christian experience because they know that God has got more for their life. Let me tell you, there's nothing greater than seeing God touch people's lives through you. And maybe you're here and you're saying, Ben, I normally deflect and I normally give in to fear, but I don't want to deflect anymore. I want to more often than not allow God to use me to step out and to have a go. It's incredible, you know, the Apostle Paul, his number one prayer point was that for himself personally was that he would have boldness. Even the Apostle Paul struggled with boldness when it came to ministering to people, when it came to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's something that we all need boldness from God. But if you have boldness and are willing for God to use you, you'll be amazed at seeing his power flow through your life. It's incredible. And so tonight, if you're here and you're saying, Ben, you know what? I want to step in. I don't want to deflect anymore the opportunities that God gives me. I just want everybody to just close their eyes and bow their heads for a moment. And if you're here and you're saying, Ben, uh, I want God to use me to see people touched by him whether it's them being saved, whether it's them just being experiencing God's presence, whether it's them literally receiving healing, whatever it is, you're saying, God, I want you to use me on my everyday life and, and I want the boldness to no longer deflect, but to more often than not step in. So if that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me tonight. I want God, I'm, I want to step in. I don't want to deflect these opportunities anymore. I want to step into the opportunities you give me awesome there's many hands there it's amazing you know there's nothing greater could you imagine that in a couple of years time you're in this room and you turn around and realize that there's somebody here because they came across your path because God uh, allowed them to intersect with your life and they have come into the kingdom of God how awesome would that be that's wonderful church you can open your eyes Um, the number one thing stopping us from stepping into the opportunities that God gives is actually fear. So in order to break fear, 
we actually have to do something the opposite. So those of you who put your hand up, it's probably because of fear that you're not stepping in. And so I'm going to ask you to do something that is probably the last thing that you want to do. And that's actually acknowledge it. But when you acknowledge it, you're not giving into fear anymore. And you're stepping into boldness. And so those of you that put your hand up, there is a number of you. In just a moment, I'm going to get you to stand to your feet. And when you stand to your feet, you'll be acknowledging, you'll acknowledge and say, God, I don't want to deflect the opportunities that come anymore. I want to step into them. So there were, I also felt as I was um, preaching that there were some people there that didn't put their hands up that knew, that really wanted to. And it was even fear stopping them from putting their hand up. And you were thinking to yourself, what happens if I can't fulfill this commitment? You need to understand that when you put your hand in God's hand, it's, He can do incredible things. And He can fill you with a boldness that you never even realized that you had before. And so maybe you didn't put your hand up, but you wanted to. It's not too late. So what I'm going to do is for everybody who wanted to, who put their hand up or everybody who wanted to put their hand up but didn't, in just a moment I'm going to get you to stand to your feet. So with every eye open and every head up, if you put your hand up and said, I, and said, I want God to use me to see people touched by Him in my everyday life, if that is you, stand to your feet right now. Lift your hands to heaven. Pray this after me. Dear Lord, I thank you that you want to use me to see people encounter you. And I pray from this day forward, when opportunity arises, I will step in and not deflect. I thank you for using me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed and hands raised. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for these people that are standing. And I pray for a spirit of boldness to come upon them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet right now, Lord God. That as they step into the opportunities that you bring, Lord God, that shame will be lifting off some of them, Lord God. Pride will be lifting off some of them, Lord God. Fear and embarrassment is going to be lifting off some of them, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, they're going to step into a new level of the Christian experience. I thank you and I prophesy and declare that within 12 months, there will be people sitting in these chairs, Lord, that are here as a result of these people people standing right now, that there will be people coming into the kingdom of God. Some people will be healed. Some people will be delivered, Lord God. Some of them will be saved, Lord God. And I thank you they're going to come into the kingdom of God through this church, through these people that are standing. I thank you, Lord God, that we have the privilege of being used by you. I thank you for the privilege of partnering with you in the gospel. And I pray, Father, for every single one of these people, a spirit of boldness and faith, Lord God, to be able to see people encounter you through them. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? Lift your hands to heaven. We're going to praise Him in this place. I had a good friend of mine once say that if you can't shout in the house of the Lord, you'll never whisper in the ear of a sinner. And as you praise God in this place and as you worship Him, He's going to fill you with boldness. He's going to fill you with strength and He's going to rejuvenate and reinvigorate you, ready to go and meet the rest of the week. In Jesus' name.